You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. All right, good morning. Welcome into the show. Happy Thursday. We're coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. A little insight on the energy you can expect on the program for the next two hours. This morning, I woke up. I'm in Philadelphia still. Drank some coffee. And like a good friend, sent Tom DeCelestino, the executive producer, a gif that said Happy Friday. With a little, I think it was a dancing, no, it was Nicolas Cage, all smiles when he gets off the bus and it's Friday. Decel, good morning. What was your reaction to my Happy Friday message, which I send you every Friday, a different message of joy? Uh, Good morning, Bill. I did not want to be the bearer of bad news, so I did it via gif. I let you know that it was actually Thursday morning. It's Thursday. Yes, we get to do this again tomorrow, and I'm uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, we have a lot of things to get into. Almost started the show with this. We won't. We'll do it later in the program. But a report came out last night that Draymond Green and Jordan Poole got into a kerfuffle and that Draymond Green aggressively, reportedly struck Jordan Poole, which I think means punched him in the face. Uh, we'll hit that. I- I've actually come up with a list of people around sports who deserve to be punched in the face. And I'm told, I haven't confirmed this report, so it's not verified, but I believe Andrew Bogish, who will be on the show in 20 minutes, has a list of people at CBS Sports Radio who deserve to be punched in the face. So we'll be doing a lot of punchable faces and getting into the one thing, maybe, or the most likely obstacle to the Warriors' success this year, and that is themselves. Draymond ain't Jordan. You can't punch your teammates in the face. We'll get to that in a little bit. MLB postseason begins, and there's a new format. And it is, the word I'm looking for is maybe, it might be dumb. Do you say, we're going to talk a lot today. I'm, I'm, you know, I got that Friday energy. I know we're going to hit it in 20 minutes. Do you like the MLB new format that probably half the listeners aren't even aware of? I think it's going to work well. And there's a little bit of hesitation there, but on paper, yes, I like it. Positive D-Cell, if you want to weigh in on any of these things, by the way, 855-212-4CBS. Barrett Salee is going to join us on the program, College Football Insider for CBS Sports, CBS Sports, HQ, CBSSports.com. That's an hour from now. We've got Buy or Sell coming up. There's a lot of soccer that's going to be fit into that. And I'll probably talk a little Sixers since I watched the Sixers and the Cavs play last night on the program. But let's start here. We have a Thursday night football game tonight that is... I'm not going to call it a dud of a game. It's not as thrilling as some of the other Thursday night football games we've seen on Amazon Prime the last few weeks, but there's a lot of storylines that are going to be interesting and critical. Can Russell Wilson turn his season around and start to show some of that offensive firepower, some of that quarterback greatness that was expected when he came to Denver in a crowded AFC Westfield? He has been very basic. He has been very average. He has been very disappointing. Can the Broncos, who are two and three, two and two, excuse me, avoid going two and three and try to get on track in a division that is almost certainly going to be led by the Chiefs? And we could open the show and talk about Matt Ryan and how frustrating he's been, how the Colts really need to win this game. The Colts going to Denver is they opened as three and a half point favorites. The line got down to two and a half. It's jumping between three, three and a half. I actually kind of like Indy in this game. But here's the actual reality. Here's, I think, the actual truth for the Indianapolis Colts. The person, and this is going to sound like an old take, but I think it's worth not forgetting this. 
the person to blame for the Colts woes, the person who is responsible for their last four years of mediocrity and failure, the person who is the reason that Indianapolis is an afterthought and scrambling aggressively to just keep their head above water is Andrew Luck. That's the guy. And I don't know what Luck is doing, if he's on some mountain in the Himalayas, if he's got a giant beard or a short one, if he's fishing. But this is a Colts team and a Colts roster that did the things you have to do in order to be successful in the National Football League. I still think Frank Reich's a pretty good coach. Is he an incredible coach? Nobody is without the right quarterback. He's a pretty good coach. They put together a roster that was going to have a window. I'm talking outside of the quarterback position that would be good enough to win a Super Bowl. And that window was going to be right around 2019 until maybe last year, maybe this year if you want to stretch it a little bit. And they had the most important ingredient when you've got a coach who's capable, when you have a roster that's excellent, you need a quarterback. And Andrew Luck, and he's entitled to do this. You don't have to do anything for a living if you don't want to. One of the realities of the, of the massive wealth of the people that play these sports is they can make the decisions they want to make. I'm not saying it's okay that Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole in the face, and I'm not saying it's okay if the reports are true that Jordan Poole's walking around like he suddenly owns the Warriors organization because he's about to get paid. But the fact is, whatever suspension comes down for Draymond Green, he ain't going to get fired like you and I would, and even if he did, which would never happen, he's going to be okay. His lifestyle's not going to change. And so that amount of money gives Andrew Luck the ability, he has the right, to walk away. But that decision, what, four years later, still haunts this Colts organization. And there's an argument, there's a case to be made. Tom made it, Diesel made it, I thought in a really compelling way this morning to me, that and I'm going to summarize his perspective, but to hell with it, why haven't you drafted a quarterback? you got to start over, you idiots. Well, I would add a, a, a bit of a different opinion to that, and, and it is this. This is, and I think should be, the last hurrah of trying to find a solution to the Andrew Luck debacle in terms of taking advantage of the roster the Colts have and trying to make it work even though the quarterback who should be here isn't. If this season doesn't work, and in a lot of ways, if this game tonight goes badly, you, you can turn it around from 1-3-1, and one, but it's not, it's not a likely outcome. If this season doesn't work, it starts to be time to rebuild and to tear it down to whatever degree you do that in the NFL. It's a different mechanism. It's a different approach because the turnaround can be quicker. It's time to draft a quarterback. I understand why the Colts did what they did. And you look at the guys they brought in. I actually don't dislike any of the decisions. Just the bets haven't worked. Because the moment that Luck walked away in 2018, when they won 10 games and they lost, if memory serves, in the divisional round. They did. They won a playoff game and they lost. This Colts team has desperately done everything they can to bring in a winner. It's not easy to find quarterbacks on the market. And first they went to a guy in Jacoby Brissett that that maybe could be successful. We'd seen some signs of that in New England, and it did not it did not work. He won seven games. So the Colts, again, still with a roster that can win, still with a defense that was formidable, still with some weapons, still with, I think, a realistic goal of being successful. And maybe one of the more important things in the National Football League that's overlooked, a division that felt winnable at the start of these seasons, they turned to Phillip Rivers. Now, hindsight is twenty twenty, and it's easy to make fun of Phillip Rivers. It's easy to be my friend Brady uh, Papinga, who's been on the show a lot, is, is a Packers legend, not legend, but, but Super Bowl winner, great guy, who has said again and again on this show, and I'm sure elsewhere, that Rivers is a basic quarterback, that he's not a Hall of Famer, that he wasn't a winner. Okay, sure. 
But it was hard to know at the time whether that was Rivers or that was his time in then the San Diego Chargers, given the fact they had a history of failure late in seasons. It didn't work, but I understood it. So what do the Colts do next? They go with Carson Wentz. These are quarterbacks who were so close to living up to their potential and their promise. Rivers, over the course of a career, went over a shorter duration in Philly. But it made sense. Reich was his offensive coordinator when they're in Philly together. They bring in Carson Wentz. By the way, they won 11 games with Phillip Rivers in that season. It it felt like it was going to work. Then they lost in the wild card round. They bring in Carson Wentz and have a, a pretty good season. He just can't beat bad teams at the end of the year. And so it's this season... You roll in 2022, from the Colts' perspective, you have everything you think you need. He had drafted the right quarterback, he'd walked away, and you've been able, outside of maybe Jacoby Brissett, to find quarterbacks who felt serviceable. It's not some desperation Sam Darnold move. It's not some desperation Baker Mayfield mood move. No disrespect to Geno Smith, because I like Geno. It's not squinting your eyes up in Washington, the state of Washington, in Seattle, and pretending Geno can get it done. You can look at Rivers, you can look at Wentz, and I think you can look at Matt Ryan, former MVP. I know he's older, I get it, I got it, but a guy who's had some experience, a veteran, you look at, and I know he's not, I understand, Tom Brady, but you think later in your career, you can be 70 or 80% of what you were, and you plug him in, and it just hasn't worked. He has been basic. And this is a Colts defense, by the way, that's been fine. 16th best defense the year after Andrew Luck went away. 8th the following year when they won 8 games. 16th last year, but again, they won some games. And this year, in terms of yards allowed per game, they're a top 6 defense in the National Football League. And you Colts fans, if you're listening to Indianapolis, and I won't go into the weeds here, you know it's a pretty good roster. And so I understand the the frustration here from, from Frank Reich. I understand the, oh my God, I'm in a groundhog day from hell sensation you get when he talks about this upcoming game and just a season so far that's been, again, disappointing. We know it's not been good enough, right? As a a coach and as a player, you want that healthy tension of you want to feel the sting and the pain of you know it's not good enough, but you also have to be reminded and understand that uh, we have the right guys and we have the right schemes. It's not easy to find a quarterback. If you don't draft him, if you don't have him, and if you don't draft the right one, it's really difficult. This is why Kyler Murray got paid the money that he got. It's why Lamar Jackson's going to make a bundle. It's why Deshaun Watson, despite all the ugliness, was guaranteed a quarter of a billion dollars. Go down the list. We've talked about this in other contexts on the show. If you draft, if your NFL team drafts a quarterback who looks or approximates over a small sample size actually accomplishes a level of greatness at the quarterback position, it looks like maybe they can get there you're going to pay those guys. Because even Russell Wilson, who felt like a sure thing in Denver, has been, if not a disaster, certainly wildly disappointing. I'm not mad at the Colts for not having rebuilt. I understand the rare situation that they found themselves in where they had the right team, they had the right plan, they'd executed it, and the most ridiculous asteroids falling from the sky and taking out your organization moment happened where Andrew Luck just woke up one day and said, you know what, I'm out. But this is it. This is the final year. And this game is a pretty important bellwether because not only can you not go to, what, 1-3-1, and one, you have to beat bad teams. You have to be- beat teams that aren't playing well. I'm going to play this Nathaniel Hackett sound, and he's going to walk you through what's not working. I just want you to remember that the things he's talking about are literally his job to fix. Looking at our entire team, 
we haven't played our best football as a team in all three phases, you know, whether it be defense, special teams, or offense. I think that there's still so much more to improve on. All the guys are getting used to each other, and that's just something that we're going to have to continue to grow, and, and the best football is still ahead. If I'm in, I'm in the radio business, if my boss in radio came to us and like called, guys, everybody get together. Look, guys, we're, we're bad at talking about sports. We're also bad at producing sports. The other thing is we're bad at selling sports. In fact, we don't do any of this well. But don't worry, it's going to be fine. I would probably, you know, turn my head a little bit, squint my eyes like a pirate. That's what I do when I'm stressed out and I don't want to say what I'm thinking. Be like, bro, you're in charge. Nathaniel Hackett is talking about the fact that the Denver Broncos don't do anything well. He's not a radio host who's pointing that out. He's not a disgruntled linebacker. He's not Russell Wilson speaking in code. He's the actual guy responsible for and with the power to change those facts. This is an opportunity for the Colts. And for Indianapolis, and I know we have short memories and we don't put things in context, which is why I wanted to open the show this way, and we're just in the moment. In the moment, it looks like the Colts are a disaster and Reich should be fired and why haven't they drafted a quarterback? I get all that. But remember, they lost Andrew Luck. And they've gone for it again and again and again because if you plug in the right QB, wasn't Rivers, they thought it might be. Wasn't Wentz, they thought it might be. Doesn't look like it's Ryan. It still, I suppose, could be. You have real success. And the end of the Andrew Luck era, in the sense of the plan the Colts successfully built around him, it comes to an end this season if they can't win games and accomplish some level of an actual run in the postseason. Doesn't look good. You win this game tonight. Maybe you can hold on to the dream a little bit. Uh, 855-212-4CBS is the phone number. I made a huge mistake. I screwed up the uh, – I'm in Philadelphia, and I screwed up the Philly cheesesteak. And I had, I had to buy my buddy Reed Forgrave, who's been on the show, uh, tell me to go get a Philly cheesesteak. I had my buddy, listener Bryce, who's, who's got Philly roots, tell me to go get a Philly cheesesteak. I had Diesel, who's pointing at his face. Me, me, me. You're always last because I want you to have the last word. You told me to get a, a Philly cheesesteak. I made a real big Philly cheese steak mistake. It's hard to say. Say that five times fast. Philly cheese steak mistake. And I, I'm going to get into whether or not it's my Aaron judgment or like the Colts, I just had really bad luck. It's coming up next year on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Also good with the Philly cheesesteaks. Okay, here's the deal. Bill Ryder with you. I'm in Philadelphia. Went to the Sixers-Cavs game last night. Preseason NBA basketball is not exactly thrilling stuff. But I do think both those teams are going to be really interesting. And I've been here a couple of days, and several people, including you, Tom DeCelestino, at DeCelCBS, were very insistent I get a Philly cheesesteak. Hi, Andrew. Good morning. Because I guess, you know, that's the thing. I've had Philly cheesesteaks all over the country. They're good. Meat and bread and cheese. They're yummy. You want me to go get one here? When in Rome. When in Rome. You literally took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to drop that line. Because we're best friends. Mm, not so you much. guys are. God, the bond is real. Um, so I, I didn't want to. I'm staying in the old city, which our boss Spike Eskin recommended, which is or old town. I'm probably saying it wrong. Which is really cool, great area. But yesterday I was kind of busy, and I had to do some other stuff for CBS Sports HQ. And I, long story short, after the radio show got done at noon Eastern, didn't have time to go the three miles in an Uber to the to the the, the places like the big. But I just assumed. That a Philly cheesesteak is like a New York piece of pizza. I mean, yes, there are places. John's on Bleecker would be my go-to. or There's several. But you can walk out of your hotel room in New York City. And if you go to a to a pizza place that is not a $1.99 pizza place, you just go to it, the pizza's really good. And so I Googled Philly cheesesteak. There's a Philly cheesesteak place four blocks from my hotel. 
Walked down there, walked in. I don't know what Philly's supposed to be like, but it seemed like a very authentic place. It was busy. There was a lot of people there. There was a wait. I got a Philly cheesesteak. I brought it back to my hotel. It was atrocious. It might be the worst Philly cheesesteak I've ever had in my entire life. So I'm just trying to understand people of Philadelphia. Is Are the Philly cheesesteaks only good at three places here? Is that how it works? Well, can I get an explanation on why, how it was bad? It just was gross. It just didn't. I mean, I'm not that discerning when it comes to meat on bread. I mean, I've had three hamburgers, I think, since I've been here, and they were good. They're fine. They're meat on bread. I don't know, it just didn't, it didn't taste very good. Didn't, I actually was starving. I was starving because I hadn't had any food. It was probably 2 o'clock. I didn't have breakfast. I ate the first one, and I was like, I don't think this is great. And then I stared at the second half. You know, they cut it in half, and, I, and I'm like, I, I'm going to make myself eat it for the sustenance. It just didn't taste good. I wonder if you got, like, bad meat or something. I mean, I don't know, man. And also cost, not that I care about the cost, because wink, wink, CBS Sports is paying for it, but it was like an 11, it was 11 bucks. So I'm like, okay, 11 bucks would be good. They're not all created equal. I tried to tell you this yesterday, either Pat's or Geno's. You got to pick one. I can name two places in every city in America that has great food of any type, right? Like, you can go to Kansas City, Missouri. I'll send you to, to, no offense, Casey, to two pizza places. It doesn't mean it's a pizza haven. There's only two places that are good Philly cheesesteaks in Philly. There's a reason why those two places are a staple when you visit Philadelphia. They're the best ones. But the other side, as Bill said, like, this is not a hard thing to make. Now, you can make it fancier. You I can think make he it just perfectly. gave us evidence that apparently it is. But it's just it's chopped not. steak and some cheese on some bread. Yeah. Like, anyone I, should be able to do it acceptably. Sometimes I'll order a Philly cheesesteak at a random restaurant in Miami or Nashville or Des Moines. Or I had one in Vegas recently. It was really good. It's meat and bread with some cheese on it. Yeah, maybe some onions. Oh, I did have some onions on it. And I had some yesterday, too. And it was gross. Well, I'm disappointed. I, There's nothing worse than wasted calories. I mean, there are a few things worse than that, but it's it's on the list of bad things. When you eat something that's supposed to be delicious and not healthy, and then it's bad, that's a that's a day killer. I wasn't super happy, and it was it was one of those interesting Philly days because every Uber that's picked me up has been a Tesla. I'm like, this is really fancy. Every every I just call an Uber and a Tesla shows up. Yeah, and I roll out to this. I came out here a little. You know, don't tell anybody. Now that's a secret. To, to talk to Joel Embiid. I go, I'll make an Embiid for a few minutes. And um, in a shocking twist, Doc Rivers canceled practice one of the days that I was here when I was supposed to get, that was the moment to get Embiid. Because, you know, it's been a long, arduous season already, and Doc needs to cancel practice because it's been a really long, because the season started a long time ago. You gotta keep everybody fresh. You gotta keep them fresh. (laughs) This is about you. He knew knew you were there. I, I predicted this to D-Cell. Once he canceled practice, I'm like, because like, oh, you can get Joel after the game, and I'm. I told Diesel that I not walk you through my, what my day was going to be yesterday, minus the bad Philly sandwich. To a T. I love the Phil, I love the Sixers organization. I know people within it. I, I I like their GM. I like their. I mean, they're well run. Doc also did not come out for the post game press conference. I was kind of looking forward to asking him a question. Somebody else. Somebody else came out. So the, the the PR guy comes out, and we're talking last night, and I'm supposed to get Embiid, and I go so, and I knew I wasn't going to get him. I thought I'm like so. Uh, how's it looking for for Joel? And he goes, "Oh, he's gone. He went home." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's been it was it, it's been awesome being here. So you still have not talked to him? No, I'm going home without talking to him. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm making I'm, I'm I've been bopping around the East Coast and I'm I'm talking to other people. It's fine, 
But I think Embiid's going to be the MVP this year, actually. And I, I, not I think anymore. His... Vote's gone. Yeah, he lost me. <laughs> no, I won't do that. Or will I? You think Doc did it on purpose? <laughs> it actually crossed my mind, but I'm like, I'm not going to be that. I mean, it's no, it's not the most likely scenario, but I'm going to believe yeah. like 10% of my heart that Doc did it to get you. 100% of my heart was he was wanting to go golfing, but then I opened the windows and it was cold and dreary. So I'm like, maybe you're not going to practice on day seven? Okay. Load management. Do you want to do some – I want to do some predictions. Are you – Are you now, Bogey, I know you're not in an emotionally, overwhelmingly happy place, but there's this new, very weird format. Let me try to explain this properly. Two teams from – each, both the National League and the American League, get a bye. And then there are four wildcard teams who play each other, but it's a three-game series. And this is the thing that I find really dumb. Three wildcard teams and the lowest-ranked teams, but in the first round, if you're the home team, you host all three games? Correct. I'm not doing a question mark. I know that. Doesn't that strike you as kind of stupid? Um, no, I, I, no, it's not, okay. I mean, it. it's, it's, well, I don't love it. It's certainly unique. I don't think anybody <laughs> else does anything like this, but if you're going to create a best of three series to have more wild card teams and you need to have a multiple game series and you don't want to make the other teams wait even longer to play at those, you know, those two by teams, you've got to play three straight days. You can't travel. So put it all in one stadium. Here we go. Make it all that right, important go. to have the best record or the better right. record. I'm sold. You guys want to, so. So Tampa Bay is going to play Cleveland. The winner is going to play the Yankees, the Mariners. Hallelujah, they made the postseason. Play Toronto. The winner of that plays Houston on the National League side here in beautiful Philadelphia. Phillies are going to play the Cardinals. The winner of that will play Atlanta. And then San Diego, what a matchup, against the Mets. And the winner of that has the pleasure of playing the 189 win. Just kidding, 110 win. Uh, Dodgers team. Um... Let's go through this. Do you want to start? Do you want to do Mets first or last, Bogish? We could do it first. I like the Mets in this series, but don't the Padres seem like the kind of team that in a it's not a coin flip. It's not a one. It's not one game anymore. But anybody can win these series. I I don't love it for you guys. If I'm being honest, uh, I don't love it either. From a baseball, you know, just straight baseball matchups. Not because the Mets didn't win the NL East. Um, and I know the White Sox are the easy answer and the correct answer to most disappointing team this season. But, you know, the Padres are on that list, too, even though they're in the playoffs, because I thought at the very least they were to make the NL West interesting. And it was hasn't been since the summer. Fernando Tatis is an embarrassment to the organization right now. Juan Soto wasn't great by Juan Soto's standards since the trade. Josh Bell has been terrible since that trade. Like the Padres... Are kind of feel like a sleeping giant, but maybe they're never going to wake up because it's we're already in October. But the problem for the Mets is Musgrove, Darvish, and Snell. That's a really good one, two, three. Darvish first in the series pitching, and the Mets at times can't hit anybody. And those are three really good pitchers. I'm going to take the Mets, but if I had to take one upset, and I know this is this is the 5-4, to four, right? But whatever, that stuff's all stupid. I mean, the Mets were uh, uh, hair's whisker away from, from winning the division. It would be a big upset. If I were going to pick an upset, this is the upset I would choose. If you force me to pick one I didn't believe. Yeah, I think the Phillies can beat the Cardinals. Do you? Yeah, and that would be an upset. I think the Phillies can beat it the Cardinals. Be. Yeah, I think I'm pretty straight chalk here. Uh, bo- uh, bogus. Uh, Diesel, do you... I've got, on the National League side, I think St. Louis advances. I, I think the Mets advance. And, I again, anything can happen. It's baseball. But Atlanta, 
and the Dodgers are so much better than the, whatever team they're going to play. If the Mets are playing Atlanta, I might go the other direction because and sometimes those rivalries matter in a, in a serious way. But it feels to me like it's it's going to be Dodgers Atlanta in the NLCS. I like the Mets in the series against the Padres, but real quickly, doesn't it feel like in this new format, the second wild card is the team that really like catches the brunt of this year? Like last year, the second wild card team would have played a one game play in. Now the second wild card is is playing three games on the road. Like I don't I don't know that that's is that Does that it? feels a little worse. I'm not sure. Does it matter? I think it matters for fans. Like part of the reason I don't like it is I think baseball needs to do whatever it can to spread its appeal. And just having a playoff game in your hometown, I think, is really good to just attract young fans. I just I think it matters. But I don't think. I think baseball is a sport where the road matters the least in terms of success. I'm just saying, like, where we have the the third wild card, it feels like the second wild card is getting just as punished as the third wild card team. Like, there's no there's no differentiation there. If if I just made up a word, well, there. but they are the the that second wild card is at least playing another wild card team. The last wild card team is playing a division winner, which I mean, they pretty much in all instances are going to have a very similar record. Um. Like I mean, there's not much separation this year. I get it. It could it could be different. But I mean, I mean the Phillies won like 87 games, and right? I think the Cardinals were in the low 90s. Right, in that range doesn't have. I mean, one year might be a, a smaller margin. One year might be bigger. I don't. Know, I I only have sympathy through the first wild card, and the only reason why, or the the number one reason why, the three game series makes sense is teams like the Mets or the Dodgers last year, and it wasn't the case last year, but it could have been. You have to protect them after a really good regular season. To put them into one game after winning 100-plus games is unfair to me. So you give them three games, a chance to, even if they have a bad one, they can still survive the series. But after that, I don't care about wild card two and wild card three. Just be happy that you're involved. I just feel like there was no reward for the Padres being the second wild card rather than the third. I mean, that they're in the playoffs. No, I I get it. I think that is the reward. I just feel like there's not enough of a difference there. I mean, they're also. I mean, if you're a, from a Padres, from a Mets perspective, disappointing season. From a Padres perspective, you have to play at what a hundred and one win team that had the third tied for the third most wins in Major League Baseball. If I've got, I mean, the Mets had an amazing season. I'm sure that's part of the reason, as Alana Rizzo said, her Mets fans friends want her to. They wanted her to burn. Down City Field is that is that where we got uh, to? I think they were gonna do it. Maybe they, <laughs> they asked were her if it. she wanted to be involved. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I don't know enough Mets history, but when's the last time that the Mets won 101 games in a it, season? It's only happened once before. This is the second most wins in team history. Right, so the most wins for most fans or many fans in their life. Yeah, the 86 right? like kinda... team won 108, and then twice before they won exactly 100. So 101 this year becomes second all-time. So I'm a, it doesn't happen as often as I like to pretend that it does, but as a guy that, and I'm not even a Royals fan, but I, I like Dayton Moore, who's now fired, um, and my kids were born in Kansas City, and I used to, that's the only baseball team I ever wrote about ever, right? Like all, like a lot, like followed around at times in spring training. I like the Royals. I'm not a fan, but – and they made the World Series one year as a wild card in a different format, and they lost to a team. I can't remember who – maybe it was the Giants who was a wild card. I've seen it. Like you can get a sense of momentum if you can win these series, and if any team is, is positioned to be sparked by I – mean, you got to win the series against San Diego. I just – I know the Mets would rather have the bye bogus, but it's not like the season's over. You guys are really good. You won a bunch of games. And nobody knows this layoff for these other teams, what that's going to do. And we've seen sometimes 
it's been in different formats, but like the Colorado Rockies, remember 10 years ago or whatever it was, won 26 out of 27 final games. It got to the postseason and went all the way to the World Series, but they won so decidedly on the National League side. I think it was five days before they played whoever it was they had to play in the American League side, and they just they reverted back to being a basic team. Who knows what the layoff's going to mean for, for all these teams? Yep, that's the most fascinating thing about this new system to me because all along the conversation against expanding more, you know, adding more wild cards was we can't make the higher seeds wait a week to play. That's throwing their rhythm off, and then that went out the window, and here they are having to wait five days to play. And then yeah. it's not just five days. The Dodgers and Astros haven't played an important game in months, and now they're off for five days. So I don't... I can't see. Well, I, I think the Mets are going to beat the Dodgers. I don't. I'm, so they're going to beat the Padres. Then they're going to beat the Dodgers. You think the Mets are going to beat yeah. the Padres and the Dodgers? Yes. Um, and then wow. I'm, I want to know what the conversation is going to be once we've had you know four teams, two on each side, live it. What they think that five day break was like? How many of the how many of the teams with buys have to lose for Major League Baseball to reconsider this in real time? Three. Like if three of the Yankees, the Astros, the Dodgers, and the Braves lose, no, things are just going to go with it. I mean, your question would have to have like none. They would all have to lose year after year after year after year after year before they even thought about changing TV contracts. I mean, this is this structure is the structure. Do you guys know? Yeah, that's true. Do you guys know? I haven't seen what some of these like are, are the Dodgers or these other teams going to do full team scrimmages for for 3 out of the 5 just to try to get keep these guys sharp I I have the Yankees schedule somewhere I mean everybody's going to do something you know Saturday and Sunday like show up and take BP and have pitchers who are haven't pitched in a while do simulated innings and whatnot but that's about it I mean that's all you can do Yeah it ain't the same I'll really quick on the other side do you guys have any I mean, I'd love to pretend that I think the Mariners are going to make a deep run, but it just more, much more so than in the National League, the Yankees and the Astros just seem light years ahead of everybody else. I want to believe in the Mariners, but they're not the Mariners right now. Julio Rodriguez's back is, was an issue late. I think they put Jesse Winker on the injured list the other yep. day, but you know they've got Robbie Ray, they've got Luis Castillo, they've got an okay bullpen, they've got some other useful guys, but they're just not peaking. I, I wish they were. Getting here in a better situation, I could feel better about making them, you know, an upset pick. Robbie Ray's a stud, but he's had some he's had some lackluster starts the last week and a half too, as they were sort of coming right. down the home stretch. And yeah, to, I mean, it's not like he's looked; he has not looked like the Robbie Ray that he was for a big chunk of the year. Yeah, you're and a, the Blue Jays a, are damn good too, which is a, that's not a great matchup for either one of them in the in the wild card round. I have not watched a lot of Toronto baseball this year. Deson, are you uh, are you uh, feeling any of these teams? I would love to give you something other than Yankees, Astros, but I mean they're just head and shoulders better than every so, other team. So does it make me a bad person? I don't want Houston to win, even though their pitching is amazing, and that has nothing to do with and no correlation to the scandal that it's a different group of people from several years ago. But I just residually hate the Astros. Sorry, Houston, I do. And I never had an issue at all with the Yankees. I was never one of these guys who wasn't from New York who hated the Yankees until I moved to New York. I don't hate the Yankees. I don't hate the organization. Having lived in New York and loved New York, I actually wish I'd been born a Yankees fan because it's a great city. But Yankees fans are so obnoxious. And I mean like nice people. Like James Ward. I'm going to pick on James Ward who now works at SNY as a TV producer, used to work here. And would you guys agree, universally beloved in the building? 100%. Great human being. Even Diesel likes him. That's yeah, Tom, true. you like him, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, one of the best people I've ever met. But when he 
gets into baseball mode, he's the <laughs> worst person. So exhausting. Obnoxious. And, like, it's just – and the transformation is what's crazy to me. Like, Stuart Kovacs, who I like to give a hard time, who who was an associate producer on the two shows after us, like, great, great, sweet kid. It's great, sweet kid. Yeah, he's, he's all right. He's the worst when it comes to baseball. Yankees fans are the worst. I don't want to see – I actually kind of like the Yankees. I like Aaron Judge. Like, I like t- – I just can't take – I don't even know what it's like for you Mets fans to live around these guys. The team is bad enough. and I don't mind the team. For me, like, I was in college in the Bronx in the late 90s, early 2000s when they were winning three out of four. I was there when they beat the Mets at Shea Stadium. I mean, that was one of the lowest points of my life. So, I – you don't hate the Yankees? I hate the Yankees in every nice possible sports way. I sometimes like them losing more than Mets winning. So their fans, I, remember, I can't even get to their fans because like, the team drives me nuts by itself. The only comparable fan base and situation I've ever been around is, is the Lakers. And when they were good, it's been a while, They those fans, were, and I, I like the Lakers organization. I know Jeannie Buss. I really like Jeannie. Like, I like LeBron to whatever degree, right? He's comp, whatever. I don't dislike LeBron James. Kobe was Kobe. I don't, but, but Lakers fans are so obnoxious when they're winning. But they have so many down years that it's sort of adorable now. It's sort of like, oh, you know, it's like the, it's like the short guy, you know, telling the big guy how how you win a fight. I, it, it, it's really sweet. You don't really have that with the Yankees, right? They don't really have down years where they are terrible, where they're an embarrassment. No, and their down years are not even that bad, but they treat no, them like they are rebuilding years, which is, I think, where your annoyance comes from as well. All right. So, so I don't want the Yankees or the Astros to advance. Who's my best bet here then? The Blue Jays? I think the Blue Jays. Okay. Well, the Blue Jays are not going to beat Houston and the Yankees. So so you think the Mets are going to beat the Dodgers? I yeah. love that. Is that sort of like Mets optimism, or do you actually just think that the pitching staff for the Dodgers, because there's question marks there in the layoff, is just that they're not 110? Did they win 110 or 111? I didn't look at their last game. I thought it was 110. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think all of those things are in play. I think the five-day break, I think – cruising to the NL West is a thing. I believe that, you know, Clayton Kershaw is old and playoff Clayton Kershaw might show up, and I've usually defended him, but now I'm hoping for him to be bad Clayton Kershaw postseason. Dustin May is, you know, coming back from a major injury, and Tony Gonsolin and Tyler Anderson had great regular seasons, but I'll face them in the postseason before anybody else, and who's their closer? So they can hit, and they've got a lot of veterans, but I think they are beatable, especially with the way the Mets are built. I mean, the way they have to win, I, I think, you have to go, because they can, they can stack the rotation however they want because of the time off. If it's me, it's Julio Urias, yeah. who I think was the ERA champion, right? Correct. Who's, who's just got, as you know, a lightning arm. He's incredible. Yeah, then and the Mets Kershaw. are bad against lefties. Yeah, oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Then it's Kershaw, then it's May, but those guys are not going to, none of those guys, not, none of those three guys are going to go deep in a postseason. They're not. They're going to go sick. You're, you're going to have to have the bullpen step up, and they don't have a closer, so... There is there is some vulnerability there. All right, I got to um, I got to break before Diesel gets. He's looking he's looking nervous. And when he picks up his phone and starts texting, oh, we didn't get bogus next hour. Um, Diesel's wife did a full critique of the show yesterday. Oh, and now he's crying. Yeah, now he's only got the first hour. I was so I go, oh, you're gonna get to sleeping on weekends, and he goes, she didn't hear that part. Smart, but she listened to the show when she's off. Yesterday was a, was a holiday, That's so. Right. Uh, I think we should send her a little... I think the thing you and I talked about, we'll do a video clip about how Tom deserves to sleep in sometimes and set some boundaries to help their marriage. 
is something that she'd be receptive to because she she likes the show. So it's not like strangers talking to her. Yeah, I wish I wish that we knew she was off and listening yesterday. We could have just done it live on the air. Dang it. I screwed that up. All right. Um, let's uh, let's get into Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole. I've got a list of uh, punchable faces, punchable people around baseball. And I don't know, maybe Bogus will, will give us a list. He'll come back and give us a list of punchable people at CBS Sports Radio. I'm not sure, but we're going to talk punchable faces and Draymond Green after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogus. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. This season, for the first time, you can hear every Westwood NFL broadcast stream live for free Mondays, Thursdays, Sunday nights, the International Series, Holiday Triple Headers, and every postseason game. Catch all the action on the Odyssey app on westwoodonesports.com, via Westwood One Station streams, or by asking Alexa, open Westwood One Sports, all sponsored by AutoZone. It's time to say goodnight to that check engine light with the free AutoZone Fix Finder. It'll help troubleshoot the likely cause of your life. Free restrictions apply. Get on the zone, AutoZone. Good night, light. Um, go to bed. I'm going to send you a book. Uh, it's too late. I should have done Well, maybe your kid's young enough. Uh, there's a great book called Go the Bleep to Sleep, but it's not bleep. Got it, and got Samuel it. Samuel Jackson does the um, audio, the, you know, the, uh, the uh, out loud version. See, I mean, I forgot what it's called, audiobook. Why can't he it be seems the out loud like version? A, he seems like a good choice for that one. But it's a it's a children it's written like a children's book for ex, for exasperated parents. Go to sleep, little child. Go to bed, bro. Go to sleep, dude. Um, I don't know if Draymond Green was trying to punch Jordan Green or Jordan Poole to, to sleep or what was going on, but the reports are that in a kerfuffle, I love that word, at a practice with the Warriors, Draymond Green struck forcefully Jordan Poole. Struck forcefully his punch, right? Can we just, like, say alleged punch? I think that's kind of where we are. And the context of this is that Jordan Poole's about to get paid a whole bunch of money. He's going to get that bag. He's going to get that cash. And Draymond Green's probably not. He's going to be under a player option next year. And there's been reports that have come out. Now, they're clearly coming from from Draymond Green's side of things that Jordan Poole's been carrying himself in a way that's not appropriate. And they got in a fight and 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 and. and Draymond punch him in the face. Not a good idea. Not cool. You're not Michael Jordan. You have to be suspended. It could certainly un- upend the team. But you made a great point this morning, Diesel, that we've all been places where we work hard, we do a good job, and some ass-kissing or or sycophantic or a good but not great colleague who thinks they run the world and maybe gets lucky or their daddy is like best friends with the boss or whatever the hell's going on starts to carry themselves in a way they don't deserve. I've seen it every place and I've ever worked except this one because this place is perfect and, and CBS Sports HQ because they're perfect too. And it, it does make you want to punch somebody in the face, even though you should never do that. Like you read this headline and everyone's supposed to be all outraged. Draymond Green punched Jordan Poole. And don't get me wrong, I'm not condoning it. But okay. we all, we all know where Draymond was coming from. You, if you feel like you're not valued the way you should be in your company, whatever it is, an NBA franchise, sales, it doesn't matter. We've all had those feelings of wanting to jump over a desk and, and put our hands on someone. Now, we don't do it, and what Draymond Green did is not right, but we all can relate to it. I don't know if this says good things or bad things about me. I think I do know. I've been assaulted three times professionally, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> I had an editor in Arkansas once, like, shove me into a window, the whole newsroom watched, and, like, screaming at me. I had um, an, another boss who's the worst person I've ever worked for in my entire life uh, take a swing at me, but he was so drunk, I was able to get him on the ground and pin him down with a wrestling move. He's a big guy. 
and I, uh, I had a, a vice president of an NBA team assault me at a Starbucks. He is no longer employed by the NBA. <laughs> so All right. it happens. All On right. the other yeah. side of things, maybe Jordan Poole didn't do anything. He probably did, though. Uh, here are the people that, I, that should never be punched, but if punching were allowed, if the Draymond Green School of Culture Fixing were allowed, here are people that are, who deserve to be punched in, around sports. You ready? Give it to me. Every member of the Bears, especially <laughs> those who ruined Justin Fields. I sent you this this morning. Cooper Cup has more touchdown receptions this year than, than Justin Fields has touchdown passes. Yikes. Cooper Cup by himself. Yikes. Um, Russell Wilson, if, uh, if, if the Broncos lose tonight. Now, I'm not saying you should really punch him. I'm saying in all the universe, punching is okay. Andrew Luck, if the Colts lose tonight. And I like Andrew Luck. I like Russell Wilson, too. Um... Scherzer and DeGrom are punchable candidates. I'm just saying, if they, <laughs> they lose a couple of these games. Yeah, I mean, given how it went against Atlanta and they lost the division, yeah, yeah. You might have uh, some certain baseball fans lining up to do that. In the Draymond Green School of Management, who else is punchable in sports? Am I missing any critically important people? Well, as you stated, we're not condoning this, but if no, there no, was an alternate not. universe... And I like how you put it. Nobody here at CBS Sports Radio because we're perfect no, here. Nobody here. Nobody uh, here. Punchable faces. Um, Jimbo? Ooh, that's yeah. a good one. I have a colleague at a place in L.A. who's a really gracious and, and, and caring person and treats colleagues really well who has a punchable face. Poor guy. He's a great person. What? <laughs> He's a great guy. He's not, I'll you know, out of or, or thin-skinned or anything. Awesome guy. I just feel bad for him because he's a punchable face. Keep him away from Draymond Green is what I'm saying. Keep that guy away from Draymond Green. Let's talk some college football with Barrett Salee next here on CBS Sports Radio.